microphone. Well, welcome again to week two of our Pray First series. We are about a week into our 21 days of prayer and fasting. We really do um, pray and believe that God is moving. We're experiencing greater intimacy as we're letting go of some of the appetites of the flesh and drawing closer to God. I've been hearing, I know Eric and I have been having a wonderful time and I've been hearing testimonies of people in the lobby this morning as well of God speaking and moving in a powerful way during these 21 days of prayer and fasting. And I believe this morning's message is going to be a game changer in the topic of prayer. But before we dive into it, I just want to set it up with a little personal story. Um, Eric and I both grew up playing basketball. Me personally, I played basketball from elementary age all the way through high school. It was a big part of my life growing up, played on travel teams and school teams and all of that. It was a big part of Eric's life as well. And you can guess that Eric was much better at basketball than I was. And he went off to um, play at Northwood University and all of that. But we live in a competitive house. And so like we had a pretty good team our senior year. And um, I don't hesitate to Like, I think we all need to know that my team went to the Elite Eight game. And you'll have to ask Pastor Eric what his team did. (laughs) But I say all of that. Um, Just fun and games. Obviously, he's much better than me. But um, anyway, so I was playing basketball, played on the varsity team junior and senior year. And um, in between my junior, yeah, in between my junior and senior year on the varsity team, I remember a, a moment when coach brought all of the players and one of their coach and one of their parents into a room for kind of an end of the season um, talk about what went well and what to work on for next season. And so I have a vivid memory of this meeting at the in the fall of my junior year after our season. And um, coach opened up. It was, I think it was me, my dad, and coach in the room. And coach opened up by sharing some different things that went well that season and some of my strengths. And then halfway. Um, through the meeting, he started to share some things that I could improve on. And at the beginning of the meeting, I was unaware of my body language and my posture, but I guess at the beginning of the meeting, I was, you know, relaxed and open and casual. But as he started to share some things with me that I could work on, um, I guess I kind of crossed my arms and kind of turned my body and my posture towards him changed. And he stopped the meeting in the middle of his talking and said, Erica, why did your posture just change? I'm, I'm saying all of this because I believe in you and I think, I, I think I'm telling you this because I believe in you and I think that you can get better, but I noticed your arms crossed and your posture changed and I'll never forget that. Here I am however many decades later because it taught me the power of posture in the natural and how in the natural our posture impacts communication. Our posture impacts communication. You know, I think about my relationship with my kids and I try numerous times a day to tell them, I love you. I love you so much. Do you know how much I love you? And I try every morning to give each of the kids a hug, hug them numerous times throughout the day. And so I'm hugging them and I'm telling them, I love you. I'm looking at them in the eyes and telling them, I love you. I'm holding their face and I'm looking at their little cheeks and their little eyes and saying, I love you so much. And my posture is amplifying the communication, right? 
I love you with hands on the cheeks and a hug communicates, amplifies the communication. It'd be different if every morning I had my arms crossed and I said, I love you. That's different, right? Because our posture impacts communication. And last week, Pastor Eric talked about how prayer is communication with God. It's us talking to God and it's us listening to God. And the, the parallel is the same. The, the big takeaway this morning, we're going to be talking about it all morning, is that our prayer posture impacts communication with God. Our prayer posture impacts communication with God. Let's open up and pray and then we'll dive in. Lord, we love you so much. And God, we um, recognize the impact that natural posture has on communication. And Lord, we want our communication with you to be unhindered. And so our eyes are open. Our heart is open. Lord, we crave intimacy with you. And um, Lord, we come with an open heart to what your word has to say about this topic. And we pray this all in Jesus' name. Amen. Um, And when I talk about posture this morning, I'm not talking about body posture in prayer. That could be a whole nother message for a whole nother day because our body posture communicate is an expression of what's going on in our heart, right? When we praise the Lord and say, you deserve the glory, you deserve it all, you're worthy of it all, this is an appropriate body posture, right? When we're saying, Lord, use me how you want, I'm open to what you want, this is an appropriate body posture. You know, we can kneel and lay prostrate, like our body, natural body posture can change in prayer. I'm not actually talking about our natural body posture at all this morning, but there's value in that. God doesn't look on the outward, he looks on the heart, and he's most concerned about the posture of our heart. The posture, our, our, the posture of our attitude, the posture of our approach towards him. And so I've got four different postures. I feel so impressed, so excited to talk about with you guys this morning as we talk about our posture in prayer. The first posture is this, having a posture of a beloved. A posture of a beloved, This is foundational. When we go to God in prayer, we have to have a deep understanding and a deep belief that we are his beloved. He loves us deeply, loves us with an everlasting love, has drawn us in with loving kindness. We have to have an awareness that when we go to God in prayer, he's smiling at us. He's happy to be with us. He's not mad at us. He's not annoyed with us. He is our Father, and he loves us. You know, numerous times throughout Scripture, we see God addressing us as beloved. You're not going to find a Scripture that says, hey, annoying child, or, you know, hey, misfit. No, he says, beloved, we see that in 1 John 4, 11 and verse 19. It says, beloved, one that is deeply loved. If God so loved us, we should love one another. And then it goes on in verse 19 to say, we love him because he first loved us. Beloved. Before we talk about any other posture, this is the most important one to know that when we approach the Father in prayer, we approach him as one that is deeply loved, not one, as, not one who is trying to uh, receive his love or approval. 
It's not that we loved him and because we loved him, he loved us. It's because he loved us that we love him in return. He chose us. He intentionally adopted us into his family. We are so deeply loved and it impacts our prayer life. Because you know, in the natural, if you're not sure what somebody thinks about you, you approach them differently than if you know you're approaching someone that deeply loves you and celebrates your life. Your approach to your posture, the thoughts in your heart and mind are different. And so we have to come to a place where we truly believe in the core of our being. We are beloved. We are approaching a God that loves us deeply and that changes everything. Ephesians 1, 4 through um, 5 in the New Living Translation says this. It says, even before he made the world, God loved you. He chose you. He chose us in Christ to be holy without fault in his eyes. God decided in advance to adopt us into his own family. He chose you bringing us to himself through Christ. This is what he wanted to do. Get this. And it gave him great pleasure. Beloved, God takes pleasure in you. He likes to be in your presence. He delights in you. And the parents in the room understand this. We want to be around our children. It delights us when they are near us. You know, my kids are getting bigger. Ezra still kind of fits on my lap. And we watched a movie as a family the other day. And he cuddled up over on me on my lap. And we snuggled in the blanket. And my heart swelled with joy. God is the same way. He loves it when his children come close to him and know that he loves them. You know, I know oftentimes when Eric and I will get away on a date night or we'll stay overnight somewhere, sure, it's nice to have alone time away from the kids for a a moment, but you know who we're talking about the whole time we're gone? And, you know, we can't go to bed without scrolling on, oh, look at that one, aren't they so cute? And, oh, remember that? God does the same thing. He's scrolling his phone, looking at pictures of you before he goes to bed because you give him great pleasure. You are his beloved. Amen. Um, we, Eric and I went to Raymond Bible Training Center for Bible school, and Pastor Hagen, the leader of the church in the school, would always share this story, and it was such a good illustration for me. He would talk about how, you know, he has an office with a door and a secretary outside of his office, and usually if someone wants to meet with him, they have to first go through the secretary, and um, before entering his office, in case he's in a meeting or whatever, he said, that is the protocol for everyone except my kids and my grandkids, because they know, my grandkids know they can come up to where my office is, run down the hallway, open up the door, fling into my office, come into my arms for an embrace, regardless of who I'm meeting with. So that's the same as our relationship with the Father. We see that in Hebrews 4, 15 through 16. Let us therefore come boldly to the throne of grace. We can open up that door, fly in, and give the Father an embrace regardless of what he's doing. He's never too busy for us. Let us therefore come boldly to the throne of grace that we might obtain mercy and find grace and help to help in time of need. First posture in prayer is that we approach God with a deep understanding, a deep belief that we are approaching a Father that loves us. 
We are not approaching him to gain his approval. We are not approaching him to gain his love. He has already chosen us. He has already adopted us. He has already loved us. We are coming to him as one that is deeply loved and that changes our posture. Amen? You guys believe it? Amen? Number two, a posture of an obedient child and follower. So God is our king. He's our king. He's our Lord. He's our father. And we have to have an awareness of his position in our life, right? We have have to have an awareness that he is the leader and we are the follower, important that I said number one first, right? Because sometimes people think of this one first. No, you have to know that you're loved. And God tells us to address what, you know, there's lots of different ways to address God in prayer. When the disciples asked, how do we pray? He said, pray Father. It's such a good merge of both. You are deeply beloved and you are the follower, not the leader. (laughs) Both. So our posture towards God in prayer is an awareness that he is God and we are not. He is the king, he is Lord, and we are not. The leader and the king makes the decisions, has the vision. The child and the follower follows the vision of the leader. So many times over Christmas break and even on weekends, our kids will come to us and say, hey, mom and dad, what are we doing today? Because we are the parents and we make the plan for the day. Our posture should be the same as we go to God in prayer. Hey, Father, what's the plan today? Father, what's your agenda for me today? God, what's your will? What's on your agenda? What are your plans? God, I want to follow your plans, not my plans. And so in a couple of weeks, on the last week of this series, the fourth week of this series, we'll do a whole study on the Lord's Prayer because the disciples came to Jesus when they were being discipled by him, and he said, they said, Lord, teach us how to pray. How do we do this? How, how do we practically pray? And that's when the, Jesus gave them the Lord's Prayer. But, and so we're going to zoom into the first couple of phrases this morning. We'll look at all of it in a couple of weeks. But this is how Jesus responded in Matthew 6, 9 through 10. He says, in this manner, therefore, pray. This is how I want you to pray. Father, our Father in heaven, addressing God as a Father. In heaven, hallowed be your name. You are holy. Your kingdom come. Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. So this is a really important posture and prayer to know that we are beloved and to know that we are the follower and not the leader. God, what's your will? Your will be done, not mine. It's so important to have a submitted posture, to have a humble posture that trusts and elevates his plan. I just want to have a side note just for a minute. You know, God has, God wears a lot of hats in our relationship with him. You know, he's our father. He's our king. He's our Lord. He's our spouse. He's our friend. He's our comforter. You know, he plays a lot of roles in our life. And sometimes if we're not aware of all of the different hats that he wears in our life, um, it can affect the uh, effectiveness of our prayers. For example, if you have a, a clear understanding that he is Lord and he is King, but maybe you don't have as great of an awareness that we are friends of God, that, that we are his friend, that, that we are co-workers with him, 
then maybe your prayer life, you have this reverence and this fear towards God, but maybe you shy away from authentically communicating your cares and you, you shy away from casting your cares and your burdens on the Lord and being authentic with him in prayer because you just don't want to upset the king, right? That could be one ditch. If you're aware that he's king, but you don't have awareness that he's your friend too, or the other dish is if you're aware that he's your friend and that you can come to him for anything and that you can cast your cares on him, but you don't have revelation that he's your king, then your prayers might be a lot of casting cares on the Lord and sharing your feelings and all of that, but maybe you elevate your plan above his plan because you're not praying from this posture of an obedient child and follower. Does that make sense? So Jesus encourages us to address him as father because he's the leader and we are not. He calls the shots. Man, Jesus modeled this so powerfully in his life, right? You see Jesus at the end of his life having full awareness of God's plan for his life. Jesus having awareness, oh God, your plan for my life is to be the sacrificial lamb. Your plan is for me to be crucified, that was not Jesus' plan for his life. It was God the Father's plan. Jesus did not want to go to the cross. You see that in Luke twenty-two forty-two. Jesus is praying. He has this awareness of what his next steps are, and he's not sure he wants to take those next steps. And Jesus says, Father, if it's your will, take this cup away from me. Nevertheless, not my will, but yours be done. Wow. Jesus fully submitted his plan, his agenda, his way. He was fully aligned, as we're talking about, fully aligned to the Father's plan, especially and even when it was not his preference. Jesus was like, is there a different way? Because I don't prefer this method. <laughs> but if this is the only way, let it be done. Your will, not my will. Amen? Amen. Okay, two powerful, important postures. A posture of one that is beloved and a posture of an obedient child and follower. We've got two more. You guys ready? Awesome. Number three, the posture of faith in the word. The posture of faith in the word. So God wants us to approach him as beloved, wants us to approach him as an obedient child and follower, but he wants to approach us to approach him in faith, right? The word of God, the Bible is clear that faith is the currency of the kingdom of God. We can't receive anything from God without faith in his word. The same is true of the opposite of that. Doubt and fear is the, is the currency of the kingdom of darkness, you know, it makes me think of the book of Job, where Job said, the thing that I greatly feared has come upon me. When we operate in fear and doubt, it opens the door for the kingdom of darkness in our life. God does not want us to approach him in doubt or in fear. Scripture says he hasn't given us a spirit of fear, but, but of power and love and a sound mind. So God wants us to approach him with faith. Check out James 1, 5 through 8. It says, if any of you lacks wisdom, 
Let him ask God, who gives to all liberally without reproach, and it will be given to him. But let him ask in faith, with no doubting. For he who doubts is like a wave of the sea tossed by the wind. For let not that man suppose that he will receive anything from the Lord. He's double-minded man, unstable in all of his ways. Strong language, right? God wants us to approach him in faith, believing that what he said is true. He wants us to trust his character. He wants us to trust that he is good and he is honest. Check out what Jesus said in Matthew 21, Matthew 21, 21 through 22. So Jesus answered and said to them, Assuredly, I say to you, Jesus said, If you have faith and do not doubt, you will not only do what is done to this fig tree, but you will also say to this mountain, be removed and cast into the sea, and it will be done. Verse 22, and whatever things you ask in prayer, believing, you see this qualifier? Believing you will, you will receive. And I really want to emphasize this. This is not a religious practice. Jesus is not emphasizing this as some kind of religious duty of a believer. Jesus is emphasizing this because it's a relational thing. Faith is a relational thing. God is saying, do you trust me? Scripture says, um, our father is a good heavenly father, like an earthly father. If you ask an earthly father for a piece of bread, he'll give you a piece of bread, not a stone, right? How much more when you ask God, for the Holy Spirit, will he give it to you? Do you trust that when you ask that he is capable? Do you trust him that when he says, I'm going to give you wisdom, do you trust he's a man of his word? It's a relational thing. Because here's the deal. We cannot have intimacy with anybody on earth. No relationship can, tr can thrive without trust. Trust is foundational to any relationship, and that is what faith is. So God is not putting up this hurdle of faith, saying, look over here, I got all these great stuff for you, but you're going to have to jump that hurdle of faith. No, God is saying, I want relationship with you. And the only way that we can have genuine, deep relationship is if you trust me. Do you trust me? Do you believe that I'm good? Do you believe what my word says? Come to me from a posture of trust. Come to me from a posture of faith, not as a hurdle to jump, but as, as a um, desire for intimate relationship. Do you guys see that? God wants us to trust him. He wants us to build our life on him and trust him enough to build everything of our life on his word. Amen? All right, number four, last one, posture of victory, posture of victory. God wants us to come to him with a posture of being a beloved, obedient child and follower, um, faith in his word, but he also wants us to come to him with a posture of victory. God the Father sent his son, Jesus in the flesh, God in the flesh, Jesus came to earth his physical body hung on that cross. He literally became sin and, and um, disease for us. We should have been on the cross. He took our place. It was an ultimate upset for the enemy. The enemy, Satan didn't know what was happening. Jesus took our sin and our sickness on the cross for himself. 
died, went to hell in our place, whooped Satan's butt. Scripture says, paraded Satan around as the defeated foe, took the keys to hell, was resurrected, now seats at the right hand of the Father. Jesus is victorious. Satan has no power because of what Jesus did. Satan has no power over the believer. We are on the winning team. And then at the end of the age, Jesus will eliminate Satan forever at the Battle of Armageddon, right? But the, the power struggle between the believer and the enemy, that battle has been finished. That battle has already been won. As believers, we just enforce it. As believers, we just enforce the victory that is already won, that is already ours. God wants us to approach him in prayer from a posture of victory. So lots of sports analogies this morning. Um, But big game on Monday night, right? U of M. Well, last Monday. So last Monday. National Championship, go blue. Michigan beat Washington, right? Big game. And so Ella and I have been watching more football than we dare to say that we enjoy. (laughs) But we kind of know, right? Like, we kind of know how the game goes now. Um, But anyways, I don't know if you watched the game, but I, I verbally was telling Eric and the kids, like, Washington looks scared. Like before the game even started, they looked scared. They looked distracted compared to the posture of Michigan. Michigan looked confident and like they were ready to win. And this was before, this was like during um, their warm ups, like pregame. They, Michigan came in with a posture of victory. I don't know if anybody else knows that. Washington did not come in with a posture of victory. And who won the game, y'all? Um, God does not want us to come to him with complaints. He doesn't want us to come to him expecting a loss. He doesn't want us to come to him as if the enemy has just ate our lunch. He wants us to come with a posture of victory because we know the battle has already been won. We know the end of the book, right? Scripture says if God is for us, then who can be against us? Check out this scripture in 1 John 4, 4 through 6. It says, You are of God, little children, and have overcame them because he who is in you is greater than he who is in the world. Amen? Check out another scripture in Romans 8, 37. Yet in all these things, we are more than conquerors, not just conquerors. We are more than conquerors through him who loved us. 1 Corinthians 15, 57 through 58 says, Thanks be to God who gives us the victory. I'm going to show the next one. 1 Corinthians 15, 57 through 58. But thanks be to God who gives us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. Might not be for the screen. God gives us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. And the scripture goes on to say, Therefore, Because God gives us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ, therefore, we need to be steadfast, immovable, always abounding with the work of the Lord, knowing that our labor is not in vain. So our posture towards God in prayer is that of a a victor, and victors don't complain. Victors don't 
lay their head down when it's been a bad play or a bad pass or a bad inning or a bad season or a bad year. Victor say no because scripture says that God works all things together for the good of those who love him. Right? Scripture says that if God is for us, then who can be against us? Scripture says God has good plans for us, a plan to give us a hope and a future. Scripture says no weapon formed against us shall prosper, and every tongue that rises against us shall fall. Amen. Our prayer posture impacts our communication with God. So here we are, halfway through this week, we'll be halfway through 21 days of prayer and fasting. I want to encourage you, kind of like my coach did numerous years ago, how's your posture? How's your prayer posture? Our prayer posture impacts our communication with God. Are we approaching God in prayer from a posture of knowing that we are deeply loved? Is our prayer posture towards God one of I'm an obedient child and father. Father, what is your will? I just want to do your will. I just want to believe your will. Is our prayer posture one of faith? God, I believe you are who you say you are. I believe you'll do what you say you'll do. I'm building my life on your word. Is our prayer posture one of victory? God, I don't know how. And here's the other thing. If it's not good yet, then God is not done yet. The story's not over yet. If you've been praying for something for many years and it hasn't come to pass yet, don't unhook your faith. The story is not over. Amen? And so when we have done all that we can do in prayer to stand, we continue to stand. Amen? Say, I'm not going to be moved by my circumstances. God, I trust that somehow... Even if it's after I leave this life, somehow you're working this story out for good. So many people in the um, Hall of Faith in Hebrews, so many great men and women of faith didn't even live to see the promise fulfilled, but their kids did. Their grandkids did. We serve a God that works all things together for the good, and we trust him, and so we can have a posture of victory because we know we are on the winning team. Amen? So what's your posture? Posture of a beloved. Posture of an obedient child and father. Follower. Posture of faith in the word and posture of victory. Our prayer posture impacts our communication with God. Would you guys pray with me? Heavenly Father, we love you. God, thank you for being our father. If you feel comfortable, lift your palms up to the heavens is in a posture, a body posture of receiving, of yielding. Father, we thank you that you're good. Father, we thank you that you love us deeply. God, we thank you that you're a good father. We can trust your will. Lord, we yield to your will this morning. Maybe if you've been resisting it and you want to have a conversation with the Lord right now. Just talk to him about how you're ready to yield to his plan, align to his purposes. God, we're yielded and we're aligning fully to your plan, your purposes, whatever that might be, even if it looks a lot different than what we thought. Father, we know that faith is the currency of the kingdom of God. 
God, we know that it's that way because you desire relationship with us that's founded in trust. God, we trust you. We trust who you are and we trust what you've said. God, we choose to build our life on your word. And we approach you from a posture of faith in your goodness, faith in your word. And we let, let go, we let loose the bondage of doubt and fear that tries to grab a hold of our heart. It has no place. It distances us from you. And Father, thank you for going all the way, sending your son. God, we thank you that we have the victory in you. We are more than conquerors. God, we thank you that we know the end of the book. We know we're on the winning team. Help us have a posture of a victor. Have a posture that we know, even if it was a bad play, the game is not over. That we can come to you in confidence, in prayer. We can come to you with the posture that, that we know we're a child of the king. We know our royal position in the kingdom. We can come to you knowing that we're just enforcing the victory that you have already won. Lord, we love you. We thank you for your goodness. Father, I thank you. During these 21 days of prayer and fasting, you continue to reveal yourself in deeper and, and clearer ways. As we lay down the things of our flesh and yield to you, God, we're so hungry to hear your voice, follow your leading and your guiding. God, we love you. We thank you that you smile on us. We thank you that you find great delight in us.